Hello and welcome to the Faith and Family Matters podcast, where we talk about issues that strengthen our faith and build stronger family connections. Please join us for today's podcast with our host, William Hemphill II, Pastoral Counselor. Hello, everybody. This is William Hemphill, pastor, pastoral counselor, coming to you on the Faith and Family Matters broadcast. Today, I want to talk about a subject, learning to improve cultural or racial relationships. Learning to improve cultural or racial relationships. As we know, in our country and all around the world, we are still dealing with a lot of civil unrest. Uh, We're dealing with the aftermath of the George Floyd murder. I don't know about many of you, but every day I'm seeing something new on social media about some racial tensions, uh, instances of police brutality, Instances where someone is calling the police on someone or, in many cases, just because of the color of their skin, black, Hispanic, whatever it may be, cultural-wise. And it reminds me that we have some issues going on in this country. I've even looked at a couple statements that some pastors have made. That bothered me. There was a particular pastor that talked about instead of using the term white privilege, we use the term white blessing. Because if I read the article correctly, it talked about how whites benefited off the back of slavery. And he felt like white privilege was too offensive. Not realizing that the term white blessing can be offensive in and of itself. So I say that because we've got a lot to learn and a lot of work to do in this country. I don't know that particular pastor. I'm not sure if he meant that statement to be offensive or not. I'm going to assume that he didn't. But yet it still struck a chord with a lot of people that wasn't too good. And so, learning to handle racial relationships or learning to enhance racial relationships, I came up with a term that, an acronym basically for LEARN that I've done in a couple interviews and I think can actually give us a process in order to understand one another. And so the acronym is LEARN, L-E-A-R-N. The first letter in that acronym is obviously L. And that L stands for listening to gain understanding and not to judge. 
It's one of the habits that Stephen Covey talks about in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, seeking first to understand someone, then to be understood. Usually, when we listen to someone, we're not listening to understand in many cases. And this applies in friendships and family relationships, parents and children, siblings, marital relationships. We often listen in order to do everything else but understand. Sometimes we're listening to evaluate. In other words, we're listening to decide how we're going to judge what this person says and we're going to agree with it or disagree with it. Sometimes we're listening because we're curious. Nothing wrong with that. We ask questions from our frame of reference. Sometimes we listen in order to advise. In other words, we want to give counsel and solutions to problems. And then sometimes we're listening to interpret. We're analyzing motives and behaviors. And many times they're based on our own experiences. What I'm talking about is listening to gain understanding and not to judge. In other words, take some time to hear the stories. I like to say one of the biggest problems that I've noticed as an African-American male, and I've seen with many of my colleagues and even as we discuss, is that there are a lot of people who dismiss our stories. You don't want to even give us voice when we start talking about issues of racial or systemic oppression. Not saying you necessarily have to agree with us, but sometimes it's important just to listen in order to understand the story and not listen defensively, which is many of us do, listening to defend ourselves, but listening to say, hmm, why would they think that way? Could there be something in that experience that would allow them to think that way that might actually be right? And so listening to gain understanding is important. The second thing I would say is the E. So the first one is listening. The second thing is the E. Empathize with someone by placing yourself in their shoes. Empathize with someone by placing yourself in his or her situation. One of the most powerful protests I've seen after the George Floyd killing, I believe it occurred in Colorado and a couple of other places where people actually laid down on the ground with their hands behind their back for eight minutes and 46 seconds. For eight minutes and 46 seconds. What was so powerful about that is it allowed people to experience a little bit of what George Floyd experienced. I remember reading some people and they were talking about it and they said it was just hard to stay in that position. 
forget dealing with losing your life. It was just hard to lay down for eight minutes and 46 seconds with your hands behind the back and not being able to move. Imagine the terror that he must have felt. He called out for his mother. Think about that. A grown man calling out for their mother. That's terrifying. Now, if you want even some more exercise about empathy, imagine if that was you or your son or your daughter or your husband or your wife or your brother or your sister or your grandparents, or your cousin, or somebody that you really love experiencing that. In other words, empathize. Because if we can empathize or have some type of relation, we can begin to feel the sadness, feel the hurt, feel the anger, and then begin to identify with that person's suffering. I think one of the biggest mistakes we make is a lot of times we look at people's suffering and we think they are, quote unquote, the other. That's somebody else. I don't have to deal with that. Not understanding that we are all human beings walking together, and but for the grace of God, it could be us. I'm thinking about a situation even as we talk about COVID under empathize. I remember seeing the food lines on the news and they were interviewing some people. And there were a couple people that said in the midst of food lines, they said, I never thought I would be in a food line. I never thought that I would be in such a place that I would have to go and get food from a government agency so I could feed my family. Think about how they may empathize even more with those who are suffering now. So the first thing we do and learn is L, we listen to gain understanding. E, we empathize by placing ourselves in someone else's situation so we can relate. A stands for act. We act in a way that advocates for the person. And we use our sphere of influence in which to act. That part is important because I imagine not all of us are going to march. Not all of us are going to get in a newspaper. Not all of us are going to stand in the heat of fire. Not all of us are going to do those things, but all of us can do something. And that something we can do stands in our sphere of influence. Our sphere of influence simply means the people we relate to each and every day that we have influence with. So now in my case, I'm a podcaster. I'm a counselor. And I'm a pastor, which means there are people who are going to listen as I share the good news of the gospel. There are people who are going to listen as I share about my experience in dealing with racial trauma. There are people who are going to listen 
as I share things like the learn format. That's my sphere of influence. But all of us have spheres of influence. I know in the midst of discussions, there have been some white people, people of Anglo descent, have asked me questions. What can I do? I said, we have spheres of influence. Maybe when you go to the dinner table at your house or the Thanksgiving dinner table or the 4th of July dinner table when you're with your family, you start to talk about these issues in order to bring awareness to somebody. Maybe when you sit down, you get together with your girlfriends or with your guy friends in a barbershop or wherever you may hang out you start to talk about these issues. Maybe you read books such as White Fragility that I know a lot of my colleagues are reading and begin to think about what can I do to make a change? In other words, we act in ways that advocate using our sphere of influence. And why I say sphere of influence is because all of us have some power. All of us have power and ability to make a difference. Another way of saying it is you're not going to save the world. You can save our world or the world in which you have a sphere of influence. So the L is for listen. The E is for empathize. The A is for act. The R is to resist the urge to back away when inevitable resistance comes. Resist the urge to back away when inevitable resistance comes. I want to talk about that in two factors. The first one is this. Know that when you try to make changes, there's always going to be some resistance. So in other words, right now we see people marching in the streets, talking about police reform. Some people are talking about defunding the police as a hashtag. They're talking about many different things. There are some people in power who do not want this to change. This might shock some of you listening. There are some people in power who have no problem with what the officer did to George Floyd and felt like it was okay to do. There are some people in power who had no problem with officers shooting people in the back as they run away. There are some people in power who think it was nothing wrong that in the case of Ahmaud Arbery, that two people in a truck can corner him and then shoot him because they quote unquote think he was breaking into somebody's house. In other words, there are people who like things like this. I know we've talked about the prison pipeline where often people in poor communities, often ethnic poor communities, are in situations that set them up 
to go to prison. And in many cases, they receive harsher prison sentences. There's a pipeline for that. As a matter of fact, I can't remember the study right now, but many times they make decisions on building prisons based on what the reading level is of the community in the third or the fourth grade because they've projected it out. And then when you add to it, there are many people building prisons as corporations wanting to use them to create profits. So if you want a prison to be profitable, I imagine you want more tenants there, for example. Does that make sense? I hope so. Which simply means you want policing that's going to criminalize people instead of help people. Guess what? That's some of the forces that you might have to resist when you start advocating. And that's on a systemic level, resisting the urge to back away. Now, on a personal level, I like to talk about how I had a chance at one point when I was a student to attend a church that was having some discussions on race and culture. They broke us up in groups, and we were talking many different ethnic groups. And so I was in a group with a lot of people who were of Anglo descent. I remember one of the things that several people shared at the table. They were saying this. I understand the killing of Trayvon Martin. That's when this occurred. I understand that it was wrong. But when I go home and talk to Uncle Bob, or my grandmother, or my grandfather, or my cousin, they're going to give me hell for advocating for Trayvon Martin. They're going to give me hell because I think that a guy who wore a hoodie and was coming home with Skittles and stuff got killed, and I thought race had something to do with it. In other words, that is the personal resistance that some people will face. And that personal resistance comes because they don't want you to change their worldview. And so that's why the R is so important, both systematically and in personal relationships. So when we're talking about learn again, the L is to listen, the E is to empathize, the A is to act, the R is to resist the urge, to back away when resistance comes. And then the end stands for this. Never quit. Never quit. I know I've seen some comments from people who talked about how they're already tired. Tired of racial strife. Tired of conflict. Tired of being stuck in homes in the midst of disease. Tired. And I understand that weariness because as a pastor and as a counselor, as a mental health professional, I experience it some also. But I invite those of us who are tired to think about the journey of the African-American. 1619 was the beginning of the transatlantic slave trade. 
So ever since 1619, people of African descent have been fighting racism through now. 1619, 1719, 1819, 1919, 1919, 1919, 1919, 1919, but I'm also reminded of the song. I don't feel no ways tired. I've come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me the road would be easy, but I don't believe he brought me this far just to leave me. So, in uttering the words of that song, when we're tired is when we call on God to give us the strength in the struggle. When we're tired, we call on God to energize us and fortify us, knowing that God promises to be with us. And so that's why I say never quit. Instead, Call on our faith and keep on learning. Keep on listening. Keep on empathizing. Keep on acting in a way that influences our sphere of influence to make the world better for humanity. Keep on resisting when those who want to tear down, try to tear people come. Keep on building up and never, never quit. That's the learn process. I invite you to share your thoughts. Please email me at faithandfamilymatterspodcast at gmail.com or email me at whemphill2 at williamhemphill.com. That's W-H-E-M-P-H-I-L-L, the number two, at williamhemphill.com. I want to hear your thoughts. Because I want to know how we can continue to learn and to grow and get to a point where we can value each other as human beings created in God's image walking on this earth together. This is William Hemphill, pastoral counselor thanking you for listening to us today. Take care. Have a good week. Keep on learning. Keep on advocating. Keep on empathizing. Keep on resisting. And never quit. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. We hope that the show has been a blessing to you. If you would like more information on personal counseling, couples counseling, adoptive family counseling, or other products and services, please go to ffeonline.org. For questions about the show, please email us at faithandfamilymatterspodcast at gmail.com. 